Welcome to Expert Views on ADR Ever, a podcast about simplifying alternative dispute resolution in a bid to attract more users to settle their disputes or conflicts with these alternatives, mediation, arbitration, negotiation, conciliation, and early neutral evaluation. My name is Chinwe Ibunike Umebolu, who's doctoral fellow at the University of Brighton, United Kingdom, and a fellow of the American Bar Association section of dispute resolution. I'm super excited to welcome Professor Kenneth Clark, a living legend, like I call him, <laughs> to the EVA show. He is a world-recognized mediator, dialogue facilitator, conflict resolution systems designer, teacher, public speaker, author of numerous books and articles, and a pioneer and leader in the field of mediation and conflict resolution for the last 37 years. In 1980, he became a mediator, in 1983, he created the Center for Dispute Resolution in Santa Monica, California, where he has been a mediator, arbitrator, facilitator, coach, consultant, and trainee, and trainer specializing in communication and collaborative negotiation, amongst others. In 2006, he co-founded Mediators Beyond Borders, MBB, based in Washington, D.C. MBB is an organization that mobilizes mediators around the world to support individuals, organizations, communities, and governments in building conflict resolution literacy and capacity in underserved communities. Ken wears many hats, so I've left the link to his profile below. Welcome to the show, Ken. Thank you so much. It's such for an honor having you. Oh my goodness. Thank you so very much for coming on the show. So without further ado, um, first First question is, how far has ADR been able to enhance access to justice in California? Ah, uh, well, the, uh, it's very interesting. Oh, excuse me one moment. Yeah, Let me just carry on. Yeah. this. Um, it's very interesting because uh, conflict resolution has always been two steps forward, one step back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is now my 42nd year uh, in conflict resolution. And when I began, there were, I was one of about three or four mediators in Los Angeles mm. and perhaps six or seven in the state of California. Mm. Uh, today, there are several thousand mediators in Los Angeles. Yeah. And so the field has grown very, very dramatically over that period of time. And the reason is because it is an idea whose time has come. So it is the answer to a question that we have been asking for a long time. How do we get along? How do we work together across our very diverse experiences and backgrounds and uh, ideas and cultures? Um, and is there any way that we can avoid uh, the damage and destructiveness of conflict by talking to each other and problem solving and working out solutions? And of course, the answer is yes. And ADR in all of its various forms uh, is um, not only the answer to that question, um, but it is an answer to a question we haven't even thought of asking. Yeah. And the question we haven't thought of asking is, um, 
what is it about conflict that gets us into so much trouble? Uh, why do we have so much difficulty figuring out how to behave collaboratively with one another? Why do we slip so easily into fighting and warfare and yeah. being mean and nasty to one another when we could be caring, kind, collaborative, uh, co-partners with each other. And this is true across the planet. So I would say in answer to your question that conflict resolution has grown very, very rapidly, but not nearly rapidly enough. Hmm. And what we need, and I think there are a couple of reasons for that. And one reason is because conflict resolution requires a higher order of skill Oh, okay. So if you think about just listening, um, there are orders of skill at listening. You can hear someone, in which case you understand what they have said, but hearing isn't the same as really listening. And then you can listen relatively superficially. You can listen to confirm what it is that you think is true. Uh, you can listen adversarially. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, aggressively, and you can also listen collaboratively. Uh, and I like to describe what I think of as dangerous listening, which is listening as though your life could change as a result of what you are about to hear. Yeah, and that's the kind we need in conflict resolution yeah. listening that shows up for the conversation at every level that we possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Dangerous That's listening. This is a new one for me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so very much. All right. So um, is there any measurable difference or impact on the cost and time frame for settling disputes or conflicts under ADR when compared to litigation? The difficulty is that there are two kinds of timing. Hmm, yeah. One, one is the kind that we impose mm -hmm. on the situation. We may impose any number of different time frames, like we're going to meet for an hour, we're going to meet for two hours, or I only have a couple of hours here. But the second is the time that is natural to the conflict. And that is a time that you have to discover in the course of the mediation. Um, just as an example, if you think about marital conflicts, conflicts with your spouses, your boyfriends, girlfriends, your children, your parents, whoever, people who are close to you, yeah. how long does it take to resolve those conflicts? And there are really two answers. One is however long it takes. And the second is a more interesting answer, which is... Um, it could take forever and it could take exactly two seconds. Hmm. And what allows it to happen in two seconds? And the answer is a question that goes straight to the heart of what is actually troubling people. Yeah. yeah. So um, I would say that timing um, is an important thing for every mediator to consider. And one of the difficulties of working in conflict resolution in workplaces and organizations 
is that they will often impose a time limit or sometimes the courts will impose a time limit time on how and the difficulty is that doesn't recognize the second kind of time. Um, what we are looking for in the practice of mediation is the point in any conversation where time stops. Hmm. And people stop being aware of it and they realize something really important is going on here and I need to be a present right now for whatever it is in that moment of now time stops is that why you call natural timing is that why you called natural time yes I mean yeah okay uh, uh, the answer uh, well yes it, that is a kind of natural timing but I would like to add something else which is okay. The timing depends to some extent on um, the ability of the mediator to discover what is actually happening for each person in the conflict. Yeah. So if we're way off base, it's going to take longer. If our conversation is on the periphery, it will take longer. But if it goes straight to the center, it will take less time. Yeah. That That's really what we what I aim for in my mediations mediations and what do you think about when parties do not want to you know settle it's obvious how you know how do mediators why how would mediators go about um, handling those kind of um, matters yeah very very good so uh, there are two things one is everybody who is in conflict desperately wants their conflict to go away yeah. and everybody in conflict is afraid that it will go away in the wrong way hmm. Interesting. that it will result in something that is painful to them or difficult for them to handle and so what we try to do is to um uh ground ourselves in the part of each person that really wants it to be over. And we can ask questions like, would you like this converse, this conflict to be over? And if so, why? And what would you like to, the outcomes to be? Um, and what do you think we might be able to do in order to make those outcomes happen? Yeah. What you're describing, though, is something a little bit more complex, which is what happens when people get to impasse when they are stuck and here i start with a basic definition of conflict which is that conflict is a place where people are stuck so it's natural for them to be stuck and it's natural for them to not know what to do next and for them to dig in their heels and refuse to settle even when it's in their own interest to do so yeah and so what we have to do is to recognize that people have slipped into an attitude, a frame of mind that um, is preventing them from seeing what is actually beneficial for them. And this falls into a category of what I call impasse resolution procedures. Mm. Sorry, say that again. 
this falls into a category mm -hmm. of what I call impasse resolution. Impasse okay, thank you. So impasse resolution, uh, I start with uh, a series of things that I call separations. So separation one is to separate the person from the problem. And Fisher and Yuri, uh, Roger Fisher and William Yuri in their really classic book, Getting to Yes. Yes. A, separate the person from the problem. B, soft on the person and hard on the problem. So if we can shift people's attention from the other person as the problem to defining the problem as an it, it will then become much easier for them to avoid becoming defensive and resistant and all of those things. A second is to separate the future from the past. Virtually every conflict is about the past. Who did what to who? What happened? But if we ask the question, what would you like to see happen in the future? Yeah. People become much more willing to, to talk. And there are many, many others like that. Hmm. All right. Thank you so very much. Sure. Oh, that's so educative. I, I don't even want you to stop, but, you know, we have to go on because of time. So let me ask you the, um, thought, the fourth question. The third question. Okay, so in line with your book, Resolving Conflict at One, can you give me um, tips or strategies for resolving conflict? Uh, I'm sorry, give you what? Um, tips or strategies for resolving conflict. Uh, yes. Okay, so um, there are uh, 10 strategies uh, yeah. in the book. And there are a whole bunch of them. The one I'd like to, let me just mention a couple of them that are maybe will be interesting to your listeners. Okay, thank you. Um, one is uh, to understand the culture of conflict. Hmm. Now, the important part here to see is that every family has a culture. Every workplace has a culture. What is culture? And the answer is culture is a way of attributing meaning. It is a way that we understand how to kind of uh, uh, recognize what the meaning of something is. Um, and oftentimes the meaning is contained in the story. But the, if we take the story and we say, and so the second strategy is listen to the stories. So but the difficulty is that the story um, isn't the real story. So there are three stories. First, there is the story that you tell other people, like the story you're telling me now. Yeah. Second, there is the story that you tell yourself. And third, there is the reason why you made up those other two stories. And that's the story I want to hear. Okay. Here's another way of looking at it. Yeah. Every conflict story takes the form of an accusation. Hmm. Beneath every accusation is a confession. 
of vulnerability, of caring, of whatever. And beneath every confession is a request. So the question is, what is the request that is hidden in the story? And I know that you are probably familiar with uh, Chinua Achebe. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, he wrote a book, um, Anthills of the Savannah, yeah. uh, in which he said, um, if it were not for the story, our children would be falling into ditches and bumping into cactus plants. Yeah. Uh, so the story is important. And here's the third strategy out of 10, yeah. uh, the last one I'll mention. Um, learn from difficult behaviors. Hmm. Yeah. So the other person's behaviors are difficult, but there are two ways of interpreting that. One is that they're being difficult, and the second is it's difficult for me, hmm. meaning I don't have the skills to be able to handle their behavior. So if the problem is with them, there isn't much we can do about it, except get them to go away. But if the problem is in me and my need to develop a higher order of skill, they are the perfect person for me to practice with. So um, what do we learn from difficult behaviors? And the answer is we learn what is difficult for us. Hmm. And where did that difficulty come from? That's a question that we are drawn to answer. And generally, it's out of our family of origin. That's where the difficulty comes from. And once we've defined the difficulty, then we can figure out for ourselves what we can do. We can model that. Other people can see us modeling it. Yes. And we can help them learn how to talk to each other so part of what I do it isn't really in the workplace, but it's the same in marriages as it is in the workplace, yeah. which is in the workplace, I would say, for example, to a manager who's getting into conflicts, yeah. um, I would ask questions like, um, what do you want other people to understand about what really upsets you? What gets under your skin? What, what makes you react strongly? Uh, and negatively to whatever is being done. And what coaching would you like to give people who are going to be delivering bad news to you? Hmm. What would you like to tell them about how they could do that in a way that won't get you upset, yeah. right? And then have them do this in front of everybody. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, how to the other people, how does this sound to you? Hmm. Uh, is this something that would work? What requests do you have of the manager? Yeah. Right? So those kinds of things. And there are 10 of those in the book, um, Resolving Conflicts at Work, just goes through uh, each chapter and offers different ones. Hopefully that's helpful to you. Yeah, it is. It is very helpful. Thank you so very much. So um, are employees or workers aware of ADR options regarding disputes or conflicts that might arise in the workplace um, in the U.S. or California? Well, there are a range of options, and okay. it depends a little bit on the nature of the workplace. Um, 
the the best way of describing it really is to take a look at something at an idea yeah. that was developed by a professor at Harvard whose name was Frank E. A. Sanders. Sanders, yeah. Yeah. And he what he developed was the idea of the multi-door courthouse. Yeah. So you walk into the courthouse and you come to a help desk. And the person at the help desk asks you about your problem, what it is that you're doing. And then you agree on which door you're going to go to. So yeah. it, door may be early neutral evaluation, summary jury trial. Um, it may be collaborative bargaining. It may be informal problem solving. It may be arbitration. It may be mediation. In other words, you've got a number of doors that people can walk through. And the person who you see works with you uh, to discover the right one. And what happens is it saves a tremendous amount of money, time, effort, misery, um, because people think of the courts as the place that they're going to go to get justice. Yeah. But the difficulty is that justice um, is pretty rare uh, in the courts. There was a comedian in the United States who many years ago said, the only justice in the halls of justice is in the halls. Um, and so the, the problem is that uh, what we are looking for is ways of having conversations about problems yeah. that allow us to come up with the solutions that feel just to both of us, if we possibly can. Yeah. So I would say that probably the most popular method in the workplace is arbitration. Okay. okay. I am. Uh, a labor arbitrator. Just okay. earlier this week, I was an arbitrator yeah. uh, in a labor management dispute. Yeah. Uh, and it's very different from mediation. mediation so yeah. Yeah. I'm the judge, but it's very informal. Yeah. Very, much less expensive. Yeah. Uh, whereas in mediation, uh, it's even more informal hmm. uh, and uh, even less expensive. So I would say that this fits into a category of what is called conflict resolution systems design. Hmm. It's designing organizational systems that are like the multi-door courthouse. Yeah. Where, and I've designed these for many large corporations, Hughes Corporation, you know, Raytheon Corporation, many large corporations. And the goal of it is to create an integrated multi-dimensional, multi-layered uh, process that helps people from the beginning of their dispute to the end. That has many different types of special knowledge and professionalism that are applied to it. So systems design approaches, I feel, are the ones that are the up and coming way okay. to do this. Okay, all right, thank you. Um, so. To what extent are employees encouraged to use ADR to settle um, bullying, discrimination, or harassment um, in the workplace? Yes, well, the, uh, the, I would say that the answer depends on whether or not the law provides yeah. a remedy for these things. So uh, last week, I trained 
the mediators for what's called the Department of Civil Rights in the state of California. Yes. Uh, and the Department of Civil Rights takes all complaints out of the workplace that have to do with discrimination, with sexual harassment, with unfair treatment, uh, et cetera. And um, they mediate those cases. And the, they're doing a really excellent job. I would say that most employees don't know very much about the mediation option or even about the availability of these remedies. Yeah. So the first step really is to develop a legislative um, uh, scheme, really a set of a, a law that says that people have a right to not be treated this way in the workplace. Yeah. And then the question is, okay, if they are treated this way, what do we do? And probably, and the best answer really is conflict resolution. This is even more difficult to mediate these kinds of cases because um, there is there are so many nuances. Uh, in uh, Los Angeles, just this week, um, a very a major Hollywood producer, Harvey Weinstein, was uh, tried for sexual oh. harassment and uh, sexual abuse, and um, that was an incredibly expensive trial and really unsatisfying to virtually everybody. Yeah. But I have mediated hundreds of sexual harassment cases. Wow. Hundreds. wow. And I can tell you that we have we are able to come up with much, much better solutions. But it requires a higher order of skill and a tremendous amount of what I call mediating dangerously. And I wrote a book with that title, Mediating Dangerously. And yeah. what's dangerous is um, coming into an area that is highly sensitive and really yeah. explosive yeah. Uh, because the feelings involved are so intense. Um, but it is possible to mediate those with great success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because thank you so very much. Because in some jurisdiction, I've had um, that they do not um, mediate discrimination, bullying, you know, and sexual harassment. This is the first time of um, hearing that you can mediate sexual harassment, you know, because yeah, in Nigeria, rape you can't you can't mediate rape, you know, and then sexual harassment as well. So um, this is really enlightening, you know, to to know that you can do that. I wrote, I wrote a case a case study of a mediation I did uh, in a magazine called Mediation Quarterly uh, quite some time ago, which yeah. was a, a date rape mediation. Mm. Oh, uh, and it was highly successful. Uh, wow. So I am uh, I don't think that it's possible to say in advance mm -hmm. we can't a category of cases yeah. because we know hmm. the question what makes the mediations in those cases difficult and how do we develop the skills to avoid some of those difficulties hmm. and really do yeah 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 and another thing is that in criminal law some cases um most criminal um, offenses can be mediated in in nigeria 
how um, in 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 California can you mediate um, criminal offenses? Yes, hmm. um, there are several programs that hmm. uh, mediate that, that allow for mediation of criminal offenses. Okay. Uh, are they haven't gone nearly far enough in my view? I think that every criminal case should yeah. start with a mediation. Hmm. In many, in many um, uh, societies, for example, among the Maori uh, in New Zealand, what are called First Nation people in Canada, Native Americans in California, Aboriginal people in Africa, uh, yeah. and, uh, and especially in Australia. In Australia, uh, yeah. In Australia, there are many communities where they use what is now called restorative justice hmm. techniques, which yeah. is to bring the victim and the offender, the perpetrator and the one that was perpetrated on together face to face. And I have mediated these as well. Hmm. And it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. So in California, there are in many communities community mediation organizations that get referrals yeah. from the police, from the courts. Mostly these are kids, juveniles, or their first offenders. Also in Los Angeles, the city attorney's office, which is the prosecutor's office that is responsible for taking criminals uh, to court, has a mediation program of its own. Yeah they mediate their own cases but yeah. they keep information separate from anybody who's going to be the prosecutor later okay. uh, and they've had a very high rate of success um, interesting and um, thank you so much i think we're running out of time so let me quickly um ask um the last question so what is your advice for people pushing a career in adr uh, don't give up. <laughs> uh, um, and my way of saying this is yeah. uh, uh, do your very, very best yeah. that you can do um, and give up on no one. Mm, thank and you. Sometimes the timing isn't right. Yeah. Sometimes the person isn't ready. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you can always be successful. But we don't know in advance when we can be successful and when we can't. We only okay. discover it. Yeah. But by mediating, we make it possible for people to then resolve their disputes maybe uh, years later. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so very much. Yeah. And I see I said the last question, but I think I needed to just maybe two two lines. Um, to sure. summarize what you what you do or what the organization for mediators beyond barriers what they do yeah uh, mediators beyond borders also known as mediators beyond borders international yeah, yeah. Uh, is working in multiple countries I started it many years ago and our first major project um, was in the Buddha Durham refugee camp in Ghana yeah uh, and we worked we've worked in uh, Sierra Leone, in Rwanda, in uh, Liberia. Um, I worked in Zimbabwe. Hmm. Uh, we've worked, we conducted dialogues in Athens between Greek citizens and immigrants. Yeah. Uh, we worked in South America and Asia. Uh, and basically what we do is build people's capacity, their skills, 
in conflict resolution in partnership with local organizations like yours. Yeah. Yeah. So the goal of it is to, to strengthen the capacity of civil society in every country around the world to resolve conflicts without requiring yeah. uh, force or violence uh, or the use of the even legal coercion uh, to do it ourselves and to do it in a way that leaves the community stronger. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, it's a wonderful organization. I recommend yeah. it very highly. Yeah, oh, I'm going to join later. <laughs> Thank okay. you so very much. I'm so super you know, grateful that you agreed to come here and uh, come on the show. And I've learned so much from impasse resolution to um, learning from difficult behavior to what else? Dangerous listening, you know, that's that's my, you know, go word now. So um, I'm, I'm really grateful, you know, you you, you came on, 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 on the show and um, it has been very um, enlightening educative in fact this is a master class thank you so very much prof I'm, I'm so grateful and um i hope to have you some other time you know because i've got some questions that weren't answered but anyway so far so good um you, you, uh, you know i've learned so much from you all right thank you so very much and to my listeners and um, thank you so very much for your constant support thank you at the same time for adr and workplace conflict all right bye prof take care thank you